All right, let us plow on with uh, the uh, continuation of logical fallacies number, I don't know, 15 or 10 or something like that. This is called the description of appeal to novelty. The appeal to novelty. Oh, by the way, N-I-Z-K-O-R dot org forward slash features forward slash fallacies. Forgot to mention where this list is generated from. Uh, this guy's got some good examples, definitely worth working through. And he's got some, some good uh, dialogues which illustrate these sorts of issues. The appeal to novelty uh, is a fallacy that occurs when it's assumed that something is better or correct simply because it is new. And so you've got uh, advertisements for your new, improved, right? They always say this in, um, in TV land, all new, right? It's all new, an all-new episode of X. It's like, what, are they going to mix up the new and, and, and the old? Who knows? And the, um, uh, here's a, an example this, this guy gives between a professor and a student. The professor says, So you can see that a new and better morality is sweeping the nation. No longer are people with alternative lifestyles ashamed. No longer are people caught up with the outmoded moralities of the past. Student. Well, what about the ideas of the great thinkers of the past? Don't they have some good points? Prof. A good question. The answer is that they have had some valid points in their own barbaric times. But those are old, moldy moralities from a time long gone. Now is the time for new moralities, progress and all that, you know. Student. So you would say that the new moralities are better because they are newer. Prof, exactly. Just as the dinosaurs died off to make way for new animals, the old ideas have to give way to new ones. And just as humans are better than dinosaurs, the new ideas are better than the old. So newer is literally better. And this is also known as ad misericordium, which sounds like a musical instrument played somewhere on the banks of the Mediterranean. The appeal to pity. An appeal to pity is a fallacy in which a person substitutes a claim intended to create pity for evidence in an argument. The form of the argument is as follows. 1. P is presented with the intent to create pity. Therefore, claim C is true. This line of reasoning is fallacious because the pity does not serve as an evidence for a claim. This is extremely clear in the following case. You must accept that 1 plus 1 equals 46. After all, I am dying. While you may pity me because I am dying, it would hardly make the claim true. This is, of course, uh, a little bit different from the consequences of a belief, uh, which is more of an objective uh, negative that occurs from a belief. This is sort of when you're pressured not to tell the truth because somebody else is going to feel uh, feel very, very sad. So uh, arguments, here's an example of appeal to pity. Jill, he'd be a terrible coach for the team. Bill, he had his heart set on the job and it would break his heart if he didn't get it. Jill, well, I guess he'll do an adequate job. And um, uh, in a job interview, I'm positive that my work will meet your requirements. I really need the job since my grandmother is sick. So also, I should receive an A in this class. After all, if I don't get an A, I won't get the, the fellowship that I want. This is also known as ad populum. Uh, sorry, oh, oh, this one, also known as ad populum, description of appeal to popularity. Most people approve of X or have a favorable emotions towards X. Therefore, X is true. The basic idea that a claim is accepted as being true simply because the most people are in, in favorably inclined towards the claim. More formally, the fact that most people have a favorable emotions associated with the claim is substituted in place of actual evidence for the claim. A person falls prey to this fallacy if he accepts a claim as being true simply because most other people approve of the claim. And this is uh, similar to appeal to belief, appeal to common practice, and so on. 
and here's some uh, uh, some uh, some example. Um, my fellow Americans, there has been some talk that the government is overstepping its bounds by allowing police to enter people's homes without the warrants traditionally required by the Constitution. Between. However, these are dangerous times, and dangerous times require appropriate actions. I have in my office thousands of letters from people who let me know in no uncertain terms that they heartily endorse the war against crime in these United States. Because of this overwhelming approval, it is evident that the police are doing the right thing. I read the other day that most people really like the new gun control laws. I was sort of suspicious of them, but I guess if most people like them, then they must be okay. So, anyway, well, there's some more there. The appeal to ridicule, uh, also known as the appeal to mockery, uh, the horse laugh, and I would sort of say the ass's laugh. The appeal to ridicule is a fallacy in which the ridicule or mockery, in which ridicule or mockery is substituted for evidence in a, quote, argument. This line of, quote, reasoning has the following form. X, which is some form of ridicule, is presented, typically directed at the claim. Therefore, claim C is false. It should be noted that showing that a claim is ridiculous through the use of legitimate methods such as the non-fallacious argument can make it reasonable to reject the claim. One form of this line of reasoning is known as the reductio ad absurdum, reducing to absurdity. Um, in this uh, sort of argument, the idea is to show that a contradiction, a statement that must be false, or an absurd result follows from a claim. For example, quote, Bill claims that a member of a minority group cannot be a racist. However, this is absurd. Think about this. White males are a minority in the world. Given Bill's claim, it would follow that no white males could be racist. Hence, the Klan, blah, 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 uh, are not racist. So uh, that's uh, the, uh, the uh, reduction to an absurd uh, situation is something that is, is, uh, can be valid. But the appeal to ridicule, here's some examples the guy gives. Sure, my worthy opponent claims that we should lower tuition, but that's just laughable. Support the ERA? Sure, when the women start paying for the drinks. Ha, ha, ha. Those wacky conservatives, they think a strong military is the key to peace. And um, this uh, is uh, quite uh, often used in, in arguments. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. The appeal to spite. The appeal to spite fallacy is a fallacy in which spite is substituted for evidence when an argument is made against a claim. This line of reasoning, quote, reasoning, has the following form. Claim X is presented with the intent of generating spite. Therefore, claim C is false or true. So here's, uh, um, uh, here's an example. Bill, I think that Jane did a great job this year. I'm going to nominate her for the award. Dave, have you forgotten last year? Remember that she didn't nominate you last year? Bill, you're right. I'm not going to nominate her. Or Jill, I think Jane's idea is a really good one and will really save a lot of money for the department. Bill. Maybe. Remember how she showed that your paper had a fatal flaw when you read it at the convention last year? Jill. I'd just forgotten about that. I think I'll go with your idea instead. Or here's another example. Bill claims that the Earth revolves around the sun, but remember that dirty trick he pulled on you last year? Now, doesn't my claim that the sun revolves around the Earth make sense to you? Uh, this can also be called the appeal to uh, hypocrisy or, you know, past bad behavior, the appeal to the um, uh, uh, other sorts of, uh, sorts of ideas. Appeal to tradition. Um... The appeal to tradition uh, is uh, also known as the appeal to the old, old ways are best, fallacious appeal to the past, appeal to age, and so on. And sort of the opposite of the one that we talked about earlier, which in the new is better. You know, X is old or traditional, therefore X is correct or better. So obviously age um, doesn't have a bearing on the truth. Uh, either newness, you know, less age or, or uh, tradition, more age, has no relevance to the truth value of any propositions whatsoever. 
Unless, of course, you're saying old wine is better. I mean, whatever, old wine is more valuable. But that's not really a test of the proposition, but the test of the content of the proposition, namely the wine. So, um, sure, he says, uh, he's an example. Sure, I believe in God. People have believed in God for thousands of years. And so it seems clear that God must exist. After all, why else would the belief last so long? Um, of course, this mode of government is the best. We've had this mode of government for over 200 years, and no one's talked about changing it in all that time, so it has to be good. So, anyway, there's lots of other examples here. Uh, the bandwagon, uh, also known as peer pressure. The bandwagon is a fallacy in which a threat of rejection by one's peers, or peer pressure, is substituted for evidence in a, quote, argument. This line of, quote, reasoning has the following form. One. Person P is pressured by his or her peers or threatened with rejection. Two, therefore, person P's claim X is false. Joe, Bill, I know that you think that one plus one is two, but we don't accept that sort of thing in our group. Bill, oh, I was just joking. Of course, I don't believe that. Uh, and of course, the pr the pressure from a particular group has no bearing on the truth of the proposition that one plus one is two. Bill, I like classical music, and I think it's of higher quality than most modern music. Jill, that stuff is for old people. Dave, yeah, only real wussies listen to that crap. Crap. Besides, anthrax rules. It rules! Bill, well, I don't really like it that much. Anthrax is much better. Uh, Bill thinks that welfare is needed in some cases. His friends and the young Republicans taunt him every time he makes his views known. He accepts their views in order to avoid rejection. Begging the question. This one can be a really exciting challenge. I remember all of these from my days as a debater. This is also known as um, circular reasoning, reasoning in a circle, or a petitio principi, principi. Begging the question is a fallacy in which the premises include the claim that the conclusion is true, or directly or indirectly assume that the conclusion is true. This sort of reasoning typically has the following form. One. Premises in which the truth of the, of the conclusion is claimed, or the truth of the conclusion is assumed, uh, either directly or indirectly, uh, therefore claim C, the conclusion is true. Uh, so here is, um, you can't sort of beg the question. You can't uh, assume the answer uh, in pursuit of the answer. So, for instance, God must exist. How do you know? Because the Bible says so. Why should I believe the Bible? Because the Bible was written by God. Or, if such actions were not illegal, then they should not be prohibited by the law. Or, uh, the belief in God is universal after all. Everyone believes in God. Uh, or, uh, interviewer, your resume looks impressive, but I need another reference. Bill, Jill can give me a good reference. Interviewer, good. But how do I know that Jill is trustworthy? Bill, well, I can vouch for her. Right, so here you get the sort of circularity of the reasoning. So these and other uh, exciting um, uh, debates or, or debating techniques or logical fallacies are very, very important, in my opinion, uh, to learn and to understand so that you can more clearly uh, go on with your uh, debates in a productive and positive manner. Off we go into the wild blue logic. All right, it's Steph. Hope you're doing well. We are going to continue down our merry path of logical fallacyization exploring. And we will, I think, finish up on this drive. It really depends how many tangents, what the traffic is like, and what the full moon of podcasting gods and devils are going to do to my brain during the beginning, nay, the middle. And as you know, eventually we usually do get to. So the next one we'll just touch on very briefly because it's not too relevant to most of the stuff that goes on in free domain radio because it involves facts. 
and this is the magical world of statistics, and statistics are subject to more manipulations than uh, a bag full of Chinese gymnasts. Uh, there's lies, damned lies, and statistics, <coughs> as you may have heard the quote. Uh, statistical sampling, of course, is uh, relatively horrible because if you sort of, you know, there's a couple of things, you're probably aware of these, but I'll just go over them briefly. There's a couple of things that you may have heard of, like if you're sort of, <laughs> if you're dragging a, um, uh, if you're looking for a whole bunch of balls and in a bag uh, or in a, uh, in, a, uh, in a pit or a crater, there's a whole bunch of plastic balls and a whole bunch of metal balls. And you drag a, um, you say, oh, I want to find out how many balls there are and, you, and what kind they are. And you drag a magnet through. Why, then you're not going to notice as you pull the magnet out with all the balls stuck to it that there's, in fact, any plastic balls in there and so on. And you may remember this. I think it was James Carville who came up with this line about uh, some woman who was suing Clinton. Paula Jones, her name was. And he said, well, it's amazing what you get when you drag $100 through a trailer park, right? So he was obviously, there was a whole load of logical non-arguments or sort of illogical, quote, arguments in that statement. But one of the things he's trying to say is that this is a biased sample because of the money that's involved, right? So uh, you can, uh, you know, this is the old thing is like if you send a poll around and say, oh, I want to find out what the American public thinks about gun control, and you send your poll uh, sort of questions to the NRA, well, then you're going to get a pretty biased sample back. Anyway, you, you don't have to go back over this too long. I'm sure you're fairly aware of all of this. The, um, the burdens of proof, uh, also known as the appeal to ignorance. Uh, this is, we, basically, we talked about this to some degree uh, in the podcast on agnosticism. We also talked about it in another podcast as well. But uh, the, the burden of proof is a fallacy in which the burden of proof is put on the wrong side of the argument. So I say invisible spiders exist and they can't be detected in any way. And then I say, well, you can't disprove it. And so uh, the, the proposition stands as a possibility at least, even if so, you know, we'll call it even and call it a draw, right? But this, of course, is not the case, right? The side, um, uh, the side is uh, whoever has the burden of proof is obligated to provide evidence um, for that position. Right? If, I, if I put forward a proposition, it's my job to come up with logic or evidence for it, and so on. So uh, burdens of proof, uh, uh, is, uh, psychic powers, right? Uh, um, <laughs> I think that psychic powers exist. Well, how, how do you know? It's like, well, no one's been able to prove that they can't. Well, that's not enough, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, you cannot prove that God does not exist, so he does, and so on. Now, there's a sort of subset of the ad hominem called circumstantial ad hominem, and this is a fallacy in which you attempt to attack a claim by asserting that the person making the claim is simply doing so out of self-interest, right? Simply doing so out of self-interest. And this can have many, 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 many. And uh, it doesn't, so, you know, if I say, uh, uh, if I'm a, 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 um, uh, a senator and I say that uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the dam should be built in my state, well, of course, I mean, it's like, well, why would you believe that? Because it's just his state. He obviously just wants the dam to be built in his state for his political blah, 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 and all the other reasons he's come up with the nonsense. That is actually, however true that feels, that is a logical fallacy. Uh, this sort of argument saying that somebody has a self-interested explanation uh, is not really the case, right? It may, it may lead you to be a little bit more skeptical, but it's not, um, you know. If I, if I say uh, 1 plus 2 is 2, but... Uh, I'm a Republican, and therefore it's false. That obviously doesn't make any sense, right? So uh, you can't really uh, make that to be a sort of logical way of approaching it. So if you hear some uh, some uh, uniform general say that we need more military spending, 
it, it's wrong, but it's not because he's a general, right? <laughs> so you don't want to sort of pin it on the uniform, so to speak, like an anti-metal of anarcho-capitalist, oh, we want to be free kind of thing. Uh, or, you know, uh, some rich guys, you, you see this to comic effect or sort of pseudo-bitter comic socialist effect in, in movies and so on where a bunch of fat cats are sitting around saying, yeah, we need tax breaks for the rich. And it's like, well, of course you say that because they're rich and then they're, therefore tax cuts are bad and all this kind of stuff, right? So this stuff is, um, uh, is pretty common, but you don't want to fall for it, right? You always want to go back to the logic, the argument, at least in my suggestion, the argument for morality, uh, the reversibility, the universality, the... Um, uh, the fact that if somebody doesn't make a universal claim, then it's just an opinion and it means nothing and so on. Or at least it doesn't mean anything in terms of anything that would be binding on you. So uh, just just be careful of this one because uh, this is uh, there's a certain kind of skepticism and almost bitterness in this kind of thing where we, we see people who are motivated by their own self-interest to put forward certain propositions and we dismiss those propositions because we so clearly see the self-interest. But that is a logical fallacy that does not disprove an argument. Because, of course, really, when you get right down to it, and, and the problem is with universal, like you, you know that these arguments are fallacious because they're universal, right? So you could argue that anyone who puts forward any proposition is doing so because of some reason of self-interest, right? That they must prefer to do it uh, in a pseudo-deterministic kind of way. Ooh, he's out there tweaking the determinist. Don't do that. Don't go for the tangent. But uh, everybody has a motive for saying what it is that they're saying, right? So you could say, well, you know, Steph is just obsessed with, free, with anarcho-capitalism or, you know, dominating weaker board members or whatever you want to say. And that's why Steph puts out his podcasts and so on. And, of course, that bypasses the, the, uh, the whole excitement of trying to find illogic, which may not be as hard to find as I'd like, in my, uh, in my propositions. So uh, you want to be careful of that one. That's not a good, uh, it's not a good criteria. So, uh, the fallacy of composition. This is a bit more tricky. Uh, this is a little bit more tricky. It's, uh, this, you commit this fallacy when a conclusion is drawn about a whole based on the features of constituents when, in fact, no justification is provided for that inference. Uh, and there's two kinds. They're pretty similar. So, um, there is... Uh, uh, let's just go straight to the example. So the uh, you can go and read this on the website that I mentioned in the uh, in this in this last podcast on oh, this podcast. Actually, I guess I'm going to stitch these two together. But uh, here's an example: a main battle tank uses more fuel than a car. Therefore, the main battle tanks as a whole use up more of the available fuel in the world than do all the cars. Right? Obviously, you're leaving out a pretty uh, key thing, which is how often are they driven and how many of them are there. Right, uh, so fuel consumption alone does not determine uh, overall fuel consumption of the planet. Right, so uh, you say a tiger eats more food than a human being, therefore tigers as a group eat more food than do all the humans on the earth. Atoms are colorless. Cats are made of atoms, so cats are colorless. Right, so you really have to watch this. This is a, certainly it's it's one of my many pits that I have to sort of take care of and take uh, uh, take uh, care to, like really make sure that I don't. Um, uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, fall into this pit, right? This is a real temptation for me. Uh, so uh, just there's tons of examples of this kind of stuff. But it's where you uh, take a particular characteristic of a subset, magnify it to a superset, and retain the same characteristics magnified, whereas the magnification may not be relevant. See, it's so much better when I give you examples rather than try and explain it myself, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Uh, confusing cause and effect. This is another one. Um, the general form is A and B regularly occur together, therefore A is the cause of B. 
right? So we have, uh, uh, there's sort of lots of details to get into about this one, and I don't want to get into too many of them, uh, but uh, I'll just sort of give you a couple of examples, and you can go and look up and uh, enjoy the logic trees. So um, you say, well, you know, you're having some debate with some guy, and you say, well, this new music, this, this new rap, thrash, ska, country, metalhead nonsense is causing the youth to become corrupt, right? So this rap stuff always tell the kids to kill the cops, do drugs, abuse women, blah, 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 blah. And the kids shouldn't be doing that sort of stuff. We ought to ban that music, right? So then you say, okay, well, so if we ban the music, that's going to get rid of all the sexism and so on and so on and so on, right? And you're sort of kind of questioning... Uh, you're sort of putting the cause and effect, right? So you're saying, well, the youth is, is the kids are not all right. The youth is a bad, a bad seed, right? The youth are, bad, youth are bad people. I don't like the looks of those teenagers, as the old guy says in The Simpsons. Um, and you say, well, here's, you know, this rap music is causing it, right? Because as, let's just say, as the general morals of the youth decay, rap music increases. So you say, ah, it's the rap music that's doing it. But, of course, there is no cause and effect that's clear from that statement, right? It could well be that there's another factor. The state, <coughs> the church, sorry. There's a family, <coughs> excuse me. There's another factor that is causing the moral decay of which the, uh, the uh, rap music is but a symptom, right? So uh, this confusion of cause and effect, a little bit more occurs in political, statistical, rewind, statistical debates, but still... Uh, it can occur in other kinds of ethical debates as well. I don't, because I really try and work from first principles, um, I don't think I fall prey to this one a whole lot. You know, I've, I've probably committed at least one of these, if not half a dozen, throughout the course of the podcast series, but, uh, and that's why I'm always so appreciative when people uh, point out this, um, uh, point out a, uh, a, uh, an error, right, so that I can sort of correct it and <laughs> move on with uh, something that's a little bit more, uh, more together, more centralized. Or correct. The, okay, the fallacy of division. Fallacy of division is committed when a person infers that what is true of a whole must also be true of its constituents, and the justification for that inheritance is not provided, right? So the whole, or X, has properties A, B, C. Uh, therefore, the parts uh, also have uh, properties uh, A, B, C, and so on. Uh, not, not valid. Not good. Double plus uh, ungood. It's, I mean, it's fine. You just don't... Uh, uh, you can't, uh, you can't, in, you, you have to provide the inferent justification, right? So uh, here's an example. This ball is blue, therefore the atoms that make it up are also blue, right? So uh, a living cell is organic material, as so the chemicals that make up that living cell are also organic materials. Uh, Bill lives in a large building, therefore his apartment must be large, huge. Uh, so I think you sort of see, uh, you sort of see the idea, right? Americans use a whole lot more electricity than Africans, right? So Bill, who lives uh, in a, uh, an American who lives in a shack in the woods, uh, uses more electricity than Bob, who lives in a modern house in South Africa, right? So again, it's the, the group as a whole broken down to each of its constituent parts. You smooth out the, um, the irregularities and so on, and you sort of say that each component part has the same characteristics that are aggregated to the whole, right? This is uh, not, uh, not good. Uh, the false dilemma. Right, so uh, the false dilemma is uh, also known as black and white thinking. Is um, sort of fallacy use the sort of following pattern of quote uh, reasoning: either claim X is true or claim Y is true when X and Y could both be false. Therefore, claim Y or claim Y is false, right? Claim Y is false, and therefore, 
claim X is true, right? So uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's not good, right? So then uh, it's sort of like saying this: one plus one is four, or one plus one is twelve. Well, it's certainly not the case that one plus one is four. Therefore, one plus one must equal twelve. But of course, both of them could be false, right? So uh, Bill is dead or he is alive. And this can work, right? If, if, if it is sort of a binary thing, it works fine. Bill is either dead or he's alive. Well, Bill is not dead, therefore Bill is alive. And uh, this is um, uh, something that, uh, uh, here's an example, right? So uh, one person says uh, about his wife, um, my wife and I both support prayer in public schools. And his wife says, hey, I never said that. And Bill said, well, you're not an atheist, are you? Right? As if the moment that you don't support prayer in public schools, you're instantly an atheist. Well, of course, if you don't support, it is perfectly possible to not support prayer in public schools and not be an atheist, right? You could be a deist. Uh, so there's lots of possibilities there, but this kind of thing is, uh, is pretty common in a lot of political debates because there's a lot of ad hominem stuff and all that. It's the old have you stop beating your wife kind of situation. So... Um, uh, th this is another one where you, when you sort of get stuck with these impossible alternatives or if it's not this, then it's that. Uh, it's the sort of not ambiguity. And you'll get a lot of this stuff. Uh, libertarians go a little bit sort of crazy at this kind of stuff. They're like a sort of hum hummingbird attacking a window, uh, attacking a mirror a little bit because this stuff doesn't work so well when you start slithering into the gray areas of exactly when does a child become an, a moral agent as an adult and it's not like one nanosecond they're not 100% uh, and then they are 100% like when did you learn to ride a bike well it wasn't one moment when you couldn't and one moment when you could and when did you fall in love and blah 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 right so these uh, this kind of stuff uh, this sort of either or black and white thinking doesn't work so well in those kinds of uh, those kinds of areas um, now there's another one here called the gambler's fallacy the gambler's fallacy so, so X has happened, X departs from what is expected to occur or to be on average over the long term, therefore X will come an end to an end soon, right? So, uh, you know, this is like, well, normally there's no depression, right? Normally there's no depression, or you could sort of say like in, in uh, economics, right? Or normally uh, people's incomes, like for the last 200 years, people's incomes have gone up. Now for the past 10 or 15 years, real wages have not gone up at all, therefore Real wages are going to start going up again soon because this is a deviation from the norm. All right, this is also the case if you're a gambler and you haven't run one for a while, you're going to feel that your you know your luck is about to change. But well, this is a complete fallacy. Every time you roll a dice, the whole thing is reset. The odds of getting a six when you're rolling a dice don't increase when you haven't rolled a six in a while. So uh, this one is. Uh, Something that uh, it's one of the things that uh, keeps the political system alive, right? It's this idea that every condition is temporary and everything's going to change over time and things are going to even out, and so on. So that's uh, no uh, uh, that's no uh, nothing to base your logic on, right? Because of course that doesn't take into account other factors that may have denormalized uh, the situation or changed the situation. All right, here's another one: the genetic fallacy. Now, a genetic fallacy is a line of reasoning or quote reasoning, in which the perceived effect in the origin of a claim or thing is taken to be evidence that discredits the claim or the thing itself. And that is, uh, again, this is something that, that can slip in uh, pretty, pretty easily, right? 
So it's something like this. Bill claims that 1 plus 1 is 2. However, my parents believe, uh, brought me up to believe that 1 plus two, 1 is 5, so Bill must be wrong. And that is sort of the origin of things and, and the, 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 uh, the, uh, uh, the longevity of things a little bit where this is considered to be um, uh, something that's uh, illogical, right? The, the current Chancellor of Germany, you might argue, was in the Hitler Youth at age three years old. With that sort of background, he, his so-called reform plan must be a fascist program. Uh, I was brought up to believe in God, and my parents told me God exists, so he must. Sure, the media claims that Senator X was taking kickbacks, but we all know about the media's credibility, don't we? Right? This is all logical, uh, logical fallacies, right? Ah, the joyful guilt by association, also known as the bad company fallacy, or the company that you keep fallacy. So here, um, you reject a claim simply because it is pointed out that uh, people you dislike accept the claim, right? So um, it could be that you are uh, a Democrat who likes tax reductions, but it's pointed out that the Republicans like tax, um, tax deductions or tax uh, reductions, and therefore you abandon it because people you dislike have the same opinion, right? So in, um, uh, in the anarchy world, there is anarcho-capitalists and anarcho-syndicalists or left-wing socialist anarchists. There are anarchists who believe in property rights, which is the NCAP or anarcho-capitalist perspective. And then there are um, socialist anarchists who believe in no, who would oppose the state and would oppose any form of property rights. And so I would be sort of not too logical in saying, well, I oppose the state, but these left-leaning anarcho-syndicalists also oppose the state, but they oppose property rights as well. So I'm not going to oppose the state because these people who I disagree with or dislike or whatever, I don't say I dislike them, I just disagree with them, uh, that they, uh, they, they have a position which I also share, so I'm going, to, I'm going to get rid of it, right? And next we have the hasty generalization. And this is when a sort of startling or frightening or whatever, it could be a positive kind of event or occurrence, leads you to generalize over the, uh, the group as a whole. This is also known as bigotry or racism or whatever. And it is also something that occurs when you haven't processed your childhood history and something that occurs in your adult life can trigger for you these memories of your history. And that can um, end up uh, propelling you sort of back into the past, but you don't know it, so you come to generalizations about the present. So uh, if I'm you know, driving along and a guy in a BMW cuts me off, right? And suddenly in, into my mind pops that old joke, uh, what's the difference between a BMW and a porcupine? Well, with a porcupine, the pricks are on the outside. And I then say, oh man, these guys who buy these German cars, they're such jerky drivers, they're this, they're that, the other, right? But, uh, you know, that's not, a, um, <laughs> that's not a logical inference, right? It's not a statistical sample of people who just happen to cut me off you know, maybe it's two BMW drivers in the same day, but it's the hasty generalization. This occurs quite a, a, quite a lot in people's minds. So this is another thing to, to occur. And of course, there, this, this occurs in the realm of racism as well, right? So like, I'm frightened of uh, Oriental midgets because uh, once an Oriental midget uh, kicked me in the shin uh, when I said, uh, hey, don't get short with me, and I was talking to somebody else who was being uh, uh, snappy. So uh, that's another sort of... Uh, a way of looking at things. Also, you know, if you see the angry feminist and then you say, well, all feminists hate men and so on, it's just a way of short-circuiting 
a curious and rational expo exploration of the world and so on. Uh, all right. Uh, ignoring a common cause, also known as questionable cause. Uh, a and B are regularly connected, but no th third or common cause is looked for. Therefore, A is the cause of B. Right? And therefore, A is the cause of B. So if you uh, have a cottage up north and you notice that a whole bunch of pine tree needles fall into the, um, into the, uh, into the river uh, or your lake, and then a whole bunch of, like, the next day a whole bunch of dead fish float to the surface, then uh, you are going to call up the uh, local government agency and say, well, these, these damn trees are killing my fish. Right? These pine needles are falling into the lake and they're killing my fish. And uh, they're going to say, well, no, actually, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's acid rain that's making the, the, uh, the needles fall off the trees and also is killing the fish. So it's some sort of third cause, right? Not looking for the, uh, the third cause. All right, the middle ground fallacy, also known as the golden mean fallacy or the fallacy of moderation, right? And this, oh, we all know as libertarians, right? So this is position A and position B are two extreme positions. C, ah, lovely C from C to shining C is a position that rests in the middle between the two extreme and nasty positions of A and B. Therefore, C is the correct position. This is the nice position. This is a misuse of the Aristotelian mean as well. So we all know this one, right? You got communism is extreme and and fascism is extreme communism on the left and fascism on the right and 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 libertarianism is just some god knows where it's some n-dimensional freakiness and so the middle ground is you know a little bit of you know keynesian mixed bag good socialism and robert uh, uh the the uh, sorry the um uh, the uh, rawlsian theory of justice something in the middle is the best way to be and so on and so on and so on right um and this is kind of funny right so if i go into a computer store and some guy says that uh, he wants to sell me to this computer for a thousand dollars and I say I'm gonna give you a dollar does that mean that the fair price is five hundred dollars and fifty cents let's put the difference or four ninety nine fifty uh, does that sort of really uh, follow well no of course not right the two extreme positions uh, I want a thousand dollars for you know a thousand like a, I don't know an eight hundred dollar computer for his profit and so on I want a thousand dollars and uh, uh, you uh, want to pay much less than that, right? Is the mean automatically that way, right? Or I say, um, I want to go and stab a guy, and you say, I don't think you should go and stab a guy. And like the third guy says, well, okay, why don't you go and just kick him up, uh, beat him up a little, go dust him up a little, and we'll call it uh, middle ground, right? So this is not uh, not the way uh, not the way to do it. Although this is sort of the agnostic position in my view, right? Some people say God is there, some people say God is not there, and so the agnostic feels like they're sort of in the middle, uh, in the middle ground, right? So he's only slightly all-powerful and slightly all-knowing, and so on, somewhere in the middle, right? So uh, that's not good. Ah, misleading vividness. Misleading vividness is a fallacy in which a very small sample of particularly dramatic effects are taken to outweigh a significant amount of statistical evidence. <gasps> And that's, um, you'll get this kind of stuff in libertarian circles as well, where people will say, ah, Ruby Ridge, you know, they shot this woman uh, and, and Waco and, and so on, right? That they'll say, well, this is, um, uh, this is a state violence. This is the examples of state violence that we sort of want to bring to the forefront and blah, 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 blah. And people say, well, that's pretty rare. Like, we know about these things because they're pretty rare. It's not often that the, the feds will swoop in on domestic citizens, just start blowing them away. So, 
you know, it's a, of course, it's really bad that this happened, people will say, and definitely it's an excess that needs to be restrained. But, you know, I don't really think that we can look at it as the sort of, if, if that's all that state violence is, is something that happened like 10 years ago and then something that happened like 20 years ago and so on, then uh, that's not a very credible look at uh, the sort of root causes or, or exa examples of state violence. And you do get all of this. You get, get emails every now and then sort of float into my box from Lord knows where. But uh, it's, you know, Bush plan 9-11, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, you know, you, I, to me at least, you don't need any of that kind of stuff at all, right? So uh, that, uh, uh, that's sort of never been, uh, been particularly uh, useful to me. Uh, this is also the case with people who are frightened of plane travel. This is definitely the safest form of travel there is, uh, other than astral travel. Um, even though then you could get stuck in the dimension because God wants you to stay there, some other dimension. But um, uh, people, uh, you know, it's dramatic, it's scary, you're flying off the ground and so on, but it's far safer than driving, of course, especially when you're podcasting. Uh, the personal attack one as well, uh, the theory is false because the person who is uh, putting it forward is repugnant. This is not the same as the ad hominem, which is a direct attack against you, the person putting forward the proposition. But um, uh, it's the sort of thing that... Uh, um, Something like, you know, okay, well, Jane said that drug use is morally wrong, but Jane is just a goody two-shoes Christian, so we don't have to listen to her. So drugs are not morally wrong. I mean, I'm not saying they are. This is just sort of an example that I think is, is good. Or, you know, uh, well, libertarianism can't be right because a lot of drug addicts are libertarians. I don't know. Maybe they are, right? And so, therefore, libertarianism is false. And, of course, that uh, is pure nonsense as well. So you sort of have to watch, watch that as well. Uh, now, the next one is poisoning the well. It's a very exciting one. What happens is uh, poisoning the well occurs, and you can see examples of this on not just this board, but I'm, I'm sure many, many boards. But uh, poisoning the well, let me just do my merge, is uh, where uh, uh, somebody sort of says, uh, uh, okay, Steph, put your stupid theory forward now. Or <laughs> something like that. It's like where... You put forward a ringing non-endorsement, right? So uh, uh, that is, uh, uh, <laughs> you put forward your stupid, hyper-rational, um, freedom-obsessed, dictatorial, for, uh, you know, and I'll be happy to listen. Once you put your stupid idea forward, let's all hear your stupid idea, right? So that's sort of poisoning the well. That's a pretty obvious example, but you do get this quite, <laughs> quite a bit, right? Uh, you know, it's, it can be a sort of eye-rolling, right? So if you're at uh, uh, dinner and somebody sort of immediately starts rolling their eyes, oh, here he goes again, right? That's called poisoning the well, right? So it's trying to uh, affect the sort of emotional tenor of the interaction such that the credibility is lost to the person who's sort of speaking next. I was actually quite good at this when I was a debater, so uh, I try to watch that as a, as a habit, as a tendency. So basically it's don't listen to him, he's a scoundrel. Or, you know, he... Uh, his wife doesn't work, so he doesn't understand anything about feminism. Or, you know, whatever, right? All right. Post hoc, also known as post hoc ergo propter hoc. Uh, false cause, questionable cause, blah, 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 blah. So this is a basic one. A occurs before B. Therefore, A is the cause of B, right? So uh, that is... Uh, the people listen to the weather before going outside, right? Uh, before going out for their daily drive, people listen to the weather. Therefore, listening to the weather ejects you from the house, right? <laughs> it's like a catapult. You turn on the radio, and uh, the trap door opens and shunts you down uh, on, the, uh, on the street, right? So you see this stuff in sports, right? It's like, well, 
I was uh, I was wearing my my lucky socks when I hit the home run. So now I'm going to wear my lucky socks so that um, uh, so that uh, I can keep hitting home runs, right? So yes, it's true that when you put on your lucky socks, you hit a home run. But of course, it's quite a logical fallacy to say that uh, putting on your lucky socks was the cause of uh, of it. And uh, it's not always wrong, right? It's not always wrong. Uh, but it's not it's not a clincher, right? It's not so if you've got a computer, you run you you run fine, and then you come to the free domain radio boards for the first time, and you uh, uh, your computer freezes, then you may think, well, it's that that caused it to freeze. The free domain radio board caused it to freeze, and it may be right if it's reproducible and it happens on a bunch of different machines, then sure, uh, but then that sort of raises the chance. But the first time it occurs, you can't sort of look at well, that's what I was doing when. This occurred, therefore that caused it. If you turn the page of a book and a plane crashes in India, uh, it's not the cause. It's just proximate, right? It's not causal. All right, the next one, questionable cause. Que oh, sorry, but just before we leave the last one, this is something that once uh, freedom comes around too, is going to be uh, something that uh, that um, uh, ANCAPs or, or uh, libertarians are going to have to deal with, right? So. Uh, let's just say that you ended the welfare state tomorrow, then uh, people sort of rioted, and and the people in the you know who were dependent on welfare got really angry and threw their television sets out through their um, windows in an orgy of SCTV-inspired destruction or something. Then people would say, well, freedom is causing people to behave in a destructive manner. Freedom is bad, right? In the same way that. Um, if somebody's addicted to a drug for a long time, and then you lock them up, right? How did they, uh, what movie was it? Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. It was, um, uh, oh, the Scottish movie with the drugs. I can't remember it now. Train spotting. His parents just lock him up. Right? He's got the baby on the ceiling and so on, right? So in train spotting, uh, somebody's on drugs, and then they dry out, right? They, they stop taking the drug, and then they say, well, look. Uh, lack of heroin makes you sick, right? I mean, that's, no, it's the, it's what happens when you stop abusing yourself. That it's sort of, you know, and everybody who's ever been in therapy knows that you feel worse before you feel better, right? So you're kind of in a state where things are bad, and a good therapist will make them worse, right? I mean, that's sort of what, what goes on. And uh, so then you say, well, causally, I wasn't feeling nearly as bad until I went to the therapist. So the therapist is making me feel bad and is making me feel worse, and so on. So questionable cause. Um, so, you know, these uh, chain emails or chain letters that get sent around. And it's, if you break the chain, if you don't forward this on to 10 people and stupid viral nonsense, if you, if you break the chain, this uh, will, uh, will be very bad and bad things will happen, right? So you throw it in the garbage and the next day or the very next night or that, within 10 minutes, he slips and break, you, you slip and break your leg. Right then, it's like, oh my God, I gotta send out 200 emails of this. I'm, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna avoid that again, and so on. Right, so uh, this is a questionable cause. Right, uh, red herring or or smokescreen or wild goose chase. Do I need to switch my lane? I think I don't. No, I don't. Excellent. You know, I've only driven this about a hundred times, 200 times. So uh, I'm still getting the hang of it. Now the red herring, uh, also known as the Stefanesque tangent uh, is when you uh, an irrelevant topic oh I do need to switch my do I I think I do no I don't all right this is when a, an irrelevant topic is presented in order to uh, divert attention 
from the original issue. Uh, the and this, this uh, I have sometimes done uh, in in uh, in conversations and on the board, right? So I have to sort of watch this. Uh, sometimes it's because it's a lot. I'm sort of shifting the focus of the argument. If I'm not having any luck with a particular approach, then I'll shift. Uh, I'll try it from another direction. Uh, but sometimes I don't follow through as well as I should. So it leaves it's sort of left on uh, as a red herring, right? So, uh, so uh, a um, uh, here's here's an example of a red herring. I'm going to talk a little bit about it after that. We admit that this measure is unpopular, say the government or whatever, but we also urge you to note that there are so many bond issues on this ballot that the whole thing is getting ridiculous. So uh, it's, it's, um, so uh, if, uh, if you are a, um, a Democrat and you say, well, I'm against the war in Iraq, but we do have to show in order to get into power that we are tough on... Uh, uh, on terrorists and on the so we're going to support the troops and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and and so on right so uh, this is a, that's sort of an example of, of that kind of stuff you sort of bring in something completely relevant right the question is is the war in Iraq good or bad uh, moral or immoral or whatever and then people say well but in order to get power we have to have this position it's like but that's not the question right? <laughs> this kind of stuff is uh, I actually probably shouldn't uh, be sharing any more with this because now we're getting into Steph territory uh, the descript the uh, relati uh, relativist fantasy, also known as the uh, fallacy, sorry, also known as the subjectivist uh, fallacy. And it runs a little bit like this. Claim X is presented. Person A asserts that X may be true for others, but not true for him or her. Therefore, A is justified in rejecting X. So this is something to do with uh, the argument for morality, of course. So somebody says, uh, you know, um, if you don't get enough exercise it's not very healthy for you. And somebody says, well, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. Or if you say to somebody, your uh, argument results in a logical contradiction and therefore is, uh, is not acceptable, is falsified. And they say, well, the contradictions may be bad in your Eurocentric, oppressive, logical, white guy worldview, but I don't think they're bad. Therefore, my position is just fine. It's that Walt Whitman thing. You say I contradict myself. Very well, then I contradict myself. Right? He doesn't sort of reject the argument, or he doesn't feel any need to conform uh, to a more logical position. He's just, eh, so I do, so what? It's your hang-up, man. It's your prejudice. It's your power trip to think that I have to be logical. Right? Just loosen up. Loosen up a little, man. Um, the camel's nose, also known as the slippery slope. Uh, the slippery slope is a fallacy wherein somebody says that an escalating series of events must immediately follow or must inevitably follow without any sort of argument as to why such an inevitability should be, well, inevitable. So, uh, uh, oh my God, we have to fight this tuition increase because next thing you know, they'll be charging $50,000 per semester. It's like, well, maybe. Uh, or the U.S. Uh, shouldn't get involved military in other countries because once the government sends in a few troops, it will then send in thousands to die. And then there will be attacks on America. Oh, wait, no, that one's true. No, I'm kidding. Uh, still, not logical, right? Not logical. I mean, again, it, not that it's illogical, it's just that the statement alone is not enough to prove the proposition. Or, uh, you know, you can, never, you can never be nice to people because as soon as you're nice to people, they walk all over you. As soon as you give someone an inch, they'll take a mile and that kind of stuff, right? So the slippery slope argument, that's, uh, you know, capital punishment is bad because next thing you know, they'll be executing children for uh, shoplifting and so on, right? It's not, not a logical argument unless you can find some directly causal chain. I mean, I certainly do say that government is a slippery slope, uh, slippery with our blood, 
but uh, I think I put forward some fairly decent arguments as to why that's the case. But me just saying it wouldn't be enough. It's a, it's a kind of fear, a spe uh, sorry, a species of fear-mongering as well. Uh, special uh, pleading. This is a fallacy where somebody applies standards, uh, principles, or rules, and so on to others while taking uh, himself or those he has a special interest in to be exempt uh, without providing adequate justification for the exemption. This sort of reasoning has the following. Well, you know the reasoning, right? So the, uh, the government will say that uh, guns are bad. We shouldn't have guns, and you don't need guns for self-defense. And then every time the, the president leaves the house with his, you know, six million death squad entourage of secret service agents, they're all armed to the teeth with uh, uh, weapons that would be absolutely, completely, and totally illegal in the private sector, right? So the president says, well, you can't have self-defense. But uh, but I, it's different for me. I'm, I'm the head of state. Right, so uh, uh, <laughs> the government is allowed to steal money for uh, on behalf of others and themselves, but you're not, right? all this kind of stuff, right? So, And then uh, this is sort of like, uh, uh, I think that all murderers should, uh, uh, should, uh, uh, should be put to death, right? And then I go and kill some guy, and then I say, well, I, I should be an exception. Right, I I still believe in it, but I should be the exception. Well, that doesn't work, right? Unless you can uh, really find some complete logical justification. So here, as somebody says, uh, turn off that stupid stereo. I want to take a nap, and someone says, why should I? What? Are you exhausted or something? No, I just feel like taking a nap. Well, I feel like pay, taking playing my stereo. Well, I'm taking my nap. You have to turn off your stereo, and that's final. Right? This is a pretty subtle one, right? I mean, it's uh, uh, somebody says, turn off the stereo. I want to take a nap because I feel like taking a nap. And then somebody says, well, I feel like playing my stereo. So the principle, of course, is that I should get to do what I feel like doing. I feel like taking a nap, therefore you should turn off the stereo. But if I feel like playing my stereo, then I should, by your logic, I should get to do what I want to do. Right? So uh, this is a you know, family stuff all over, right? Special pleading. Right? Do as I say, not as I do, all this kind of stuff, right? So uh, this is a pretty common thing, thing that occurs as well. So uh, this is... Uh, this is quite right. So uh, somebody says to his wife, Honey, you tracked in mud again. And she says, So? It's not my fault. He's like, Sure, I suppose it walked in on its own. You made the mess, you clean it up. Why? Well, we agreed that whoever made the mess has to clean it up. That's fair. And she says, Well, I'm going to watch TV. If you don't like the mud, then you clean it up. By my wife? And he says, What? I said I want to watch the show. I don't want to clean up the mud. If it bothers you that much, then you should clean it up. And this is, of course, my brother and I had this thing, right? Whoever took the toys out should should put them back in. But he just generally would wander back in, and I'd sort of be left with the toys, so I'd let the toys get stolen or broken and go in as well, or do I just tidy up the toys and so on, right? So that's uh, that's a pretty common one, too. Much A little bit more so in relationships, but it's a pretty subtle one to, to get sometimes, especially when it comes to discussions of ethics in the state. All right, the spotlight. Uh, this is a fallacy which is committed when a person uncritically assumes that most members or cases of a certain class or type are like those that receive the most attention or coverage in the media. Right, so uh, some libertarian goes on a shooting rampage and then somebody says, well, libertarians have a tendency to go on shooting rampages or whatever, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's a pretty common uh, thing that occurs as well. It's sort of related as well to statistical anomalies and to, uh, to extrapolations from statistical anomalies and, and uh, to... Um, uh, to bigotry sort of as a whole, but uh, it is uh, not, 
uh, not uncommon in a lot of <laughs> sort of different kinds of uh, of conversations. So here's an example. A guy says, uh, "Man, I'd never want to go to New York. It's all concrete and pollution." And another guy says, "Well, not all of it." The guy says, "Sure it is. Every time I watch the news, they're always showing concrete skyscrapers and lots of pollution." It's like, "Well, sure, but that's news shows, and a lot of New Yorkers." farmlands and, and forest. It's not all New York City. That just receives most of the attention, right? So you think that New York is like the state when all they do is show, because nobody's going to show you a picture of farmland. It's not news, right? You show you stuff that's going on in the city. Right? So uh, this fallacy of the spotlight as well is sort of looking at this as well. And that this drives uh, you know, the black community kind of mad, right? Because um, uh, every time you see a criminal, oh, he's black, you know, something like that. And there's, of course, there's tons of law-abiding, perfectly nice black people. But uh, it seems like this is sort of the, 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 the focus pull is sort of a little bit in this area, right? And we're almost done, I think. We're almost done. The straw man argument, we know this one uh, fairly well, right? So um, uh, the straw man argument is uh, something like, well, I'm, I think that there should be no state. Right. Oh, so you're arguing that there should be no rules. Well, life has to have rules, and therefore your argument that there should be no state is not correct. Right? Or uh, I think that there should be no state. Uh, oh, so you don't want to punish criminals in any way, shape, or form. Well, that would result in a worse kind of anarchic, horrible society, blah, blah, blah. Therefore, there has to be a state. Well, of course, arguing that there is no state uh, does not argue that criminals should not be punished, does not argue that there should be no rules, and so on. Right? So... Um, uh, or, you know, it's like, I think that there's a universally preferred behavior is a good definition for morality. It's like, oh, so you want to impose your will on everyone else. And therefore, the argument for universally preferred behavior is false. It's like, well, but that's not my position, right? So in the recent one on uh, prostitution, right, and people are saying, oh, so you're saying everyone who visits a prostitute is immoral, but they're not using force. Uh, therefore, your argument that it's uh, an indication of lower self-esteem is false, Right? It's like, but that's not my argument. Right? It's not that it's immoral. Of course not. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's not coercive. Of course, if a man rapes a prostitute, then it's immoral, but that's not the issue. Right? So it's voluntary and so on. So you see this kind of stuff. Um, uh, people will just sort of set up a distorted version of your argument and then attack that version and then feel, you know, it's sort of like uh, thinking you're a tough guy because you punch Mike Tyson's shadow while he's sleeping. Right? So... Uh, so the last one, which we'll talk about, is, is the uh, two wrongs uh, make a right. right? The two wrongs make a right, and that, of course, is very common in economics right? Uh, as well. Right? It's like, well, we should get rid of trade subsidies. It's like, yes, but you know, other governments have trade subsidies, and so we have to. Right? We should get rid of farming subsidies. Yes, but other governments are dumping their farm stuff on our, you know, the subsidized farm stuff on our, therefore we are, uh, all this kind of stuff, right? So the, the two wrongs making a right is also, it's like, well, there's nothing to do with it. What other people are doing has no relevance whatsoever to what, uh, to what we're doing, right? So, uh, so here's an example. After leaving a store, Jill notices that she, has under been, uh, that she has underpaid by 10 bucks. She decides not to return the money to the store because if she had overpaid, they would not have returned the money. And that, of course, is another kind of fallacy. So, um, oh, I've made it home. Okay, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. I hope that this has been helpful for you. Uh, another nice two, no uh, two donations today, which I look forward to uh, getting more. Thank you so much, and good luck to uh, your job interview, Nate.